0: Hello, hello. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Before we get started this week, I just wanted to give a quick thank you to all of those who have rated the podcast and given us reviews. Uh, In particular, uh, to a couple listeners, one, Coxie696 wrote recently, I have to say, as a non-techie but someone who's interested in innovation and what's really going on in Silicon Valley, this hits the spot. Compelling listening for anybody who cares about the future. Uh, Thank you, Coxie. Uh, I'd like to think that we all care about the future, so of course, everyone should be listening. Dan Fellows writes, a huge reference for me in the world of marketing, digital, technology, and business. Danny has an incredibly disarming style, which tends to get more out of his guests. Dan Fellows, I'm disarmed by your review. Thank you. Um, So come on. Join the tribe. I even have a special offer. Limited time. I will give you 100 shares in Danny in the Valley. Way, way before it becomes a unicorn. Anyhow, thank you again, everybody, for the reviews. Please do keep them coming. And now, on to the show. Yo. Technology. What is it all about?
2: So just take a moment to get comfortable.
0: I was uh, walking down the street. This week, I was in, in Los Angeles um, visiting a few companies um, and actually recording a couple of podcast episodes, including this week's.
2: Just aware of the space around you in the room.
0: So I was reading my emails as I was walking. I was listening to music. I was toggling between the email and Twitter and also Google Maps to make sure I was going the right direction.
2: So perfectly
0: normal for the mind to wander off. And all of a sudden I hear this loud, booming voice It just says, look up. And I stop and I look up and there's this very large man who I got very close to just barreling right into.
2: Just bringing the mind into the body, becoming more aware of the physical senses.
0: I've had a lot of those moments since I've been um, back here um, in work. And otherwise, Uh, actually, I was just writing a story the other week. I was up very late because uh, oftentimes I have to do that. About 2 a.m., I'd fired the story off and then I'd sent on a load of questions to the CEO I was writing about. And my assumption was that he would just get back to me when he woke up. But as I was kind of getting ready for, ready for bed, I got an email back from within five minutes. And not only had he responded, he had given full explanations and answers to all of my questions. And this is a guy who's running a company. He has employees and he's answering my questions in the middle of the night. And in
2: your own time, you can just gently open the eyes, have a stretch if you'd like to, and just sit back in the chair. Rich
0: Pearson is with us this week, and Rich is the co founder of Headspace, which is the world's most popular meditation app. It doesn't sound like a serious business per se but it is the company is now worth several hundred million dollars they have millions in revenue hundreds of thousands of subscribers it's a it's a real business it has great backstory and i think you'll find it uh very interesting so um here's rich so how many people have downloaded this thing about 16 and a half million 16 and a half million
2: is that mainly in the u.s it's about 50 percent in the u.s and the rest rest of the world but the majority of it is in the u.k oh really yeah about 30 just over 30 percent of the other 50s in the u.k and then the twenty percent is like rest of the world and you guys just raised a boatload of money well we raised we did
0: do a series b round yes we did <laughs> i call it a boatload it was, it was yeah. like 36 37 yeah. million or something like that That's about right yeah what's the plan because right now you have it's been downloaded 16 million times mm-hmm. you're all over the world mm-hmm. now what
2: yeah well it's only in english at the moment that's, Are you're gonna do it in spanish yeah we're gonna start doing it in, well, we're gonna do it in a few languages that's Ch- the plan what's the what's the first language well it's a, it could be spanish could be german it could be maybe indian germans are quite uptight they could, well, probably they, <laughs> they, could probably, they could probably do it everyone could do with some headspace to be fair yeah. i find that that's the thing with it if you've got a mind i think everyone struggles with it from time to time so yeah i think it's a global thing
0: so that's the idea is to kind of go international
2: yeah and also to look at enterprise as well like that's been a bigger thing than we thought getting we companies to offer it as a-, a lot of companies kind of just reach out to us anyway they were kind of reverse-lead inquiries where people were just reaching out. And what happened was we'd get a, a passionate user that worked at Google, or they'd work at Uber or wherever it is. They'd go to their HR, and then they'd say, I love this product, we should get it. And that's how it was kind of happening organically. So we were kind of servicing the organic kind of inquiries, but now we've kind of decided to, to go after it a bit, a bit more. In a more formal way. Yeah. So we hired Ross Hoffman out of Twitter, so he's, he's heading up all the enterprise. He's heading up enterprise, international... And business partnerships.
0: So the way it works is, I mean, actually, I downloaded it. Your co-founder Andy, yeah, has a very—he's very smooth. He has a very He's buttery smooth. voice. Yeah, he does. They it's just true. Kind of calmed me down immediately. That's true. In three minutes. Yes, yeah, true. For those who don't know, it's basically it's a month a daily meditation that's guided right. meditation, and you start free. Yeah, and then you try to get people to
2: yeah to subscribe.
0: How many people actually make that leap?
2: Because that's always the thing, right? Yeah. We don't really s- subscribe numbers, but we, we're pretty happy with the, like if you compare it and benchmark it to some of the biggest subscription services, like we're right on par with that, that conversion. So we feel pretty good about the conversion actually. Can we
0: go back to how it started? Yeah, sure. Do we travel back in time to London? Sure. <laughs> and you, how old when you? Yeah, so I was 27
2: when I met Andy. Andy was your co-founder. He was a, yeah. a Buddhist monk. It, well, he was not when I met him. So he was a Buddhist monk for about 10 years, all over the world. And then he was in Russia, and he decided that he wanted to kind of teach meditation. So Teach he, meditation in Russia? No. He, well, he was actually, yeah. He was teaching meditation. That's, he was, that was where he got sent as a Tibetan Buddhist monk. And he was teaching meditation in a Buddhist center, and one of the clients that came in was a, an exec at BP out there. He got invited to come into BP in Russia to teach people meditation. A load of Russian oil execs, and he went in with his skirt and his bald head, and it didn't it didn't go down too it did well. Not, they were like hmm. they were like this, is, this is definitely this is definitely not for exactly <laughs> yeah this is definitely not for me. So he went to his teacher and he said, look, I, it, it was it's difficult doing this. And so as a Tibetan monk, do you get sent around
0: like uh, the Mormons do? Like you kind it's,
2: of... it's not quite like the Mormons. I don't know enough about the Mormons to, to comment on that, but <laughs> I don't think it's like, it's not that like they have to go and knock on doors. I think right. it's one of the only religions where it's kind of attraction rather than promotion. Right. But there's various Buddhist centers of the lineage that he was in, and he was kind of sent, you, you can get sent. And there was a teacher out there that he wanted to go and spend some time with, which he did. And then he said, look, I'm really passionate about teaching meditation but this is a bit of a difficult get up in the skirt, you know. He said, well, are you more passionate about being a monk or more passionate about teaching meditation? He said, well, I'm actually more passionate about teaching meditation. He applied to the, there's a circus school in London that, (laughs) do you know this in East London, the London Circus School of Arts? Actually, I think I have heard of this. Yeah, it's in, in Hackney. And he applied for that and so he could get a student Visa and a loan to come back to London. Did he want to join the circus? Yeah, because he used to be he used to be a gymnast before he became. Of course he did. Yeah, of course he did. This is a very traditional (laughs) business partnership story. He got on the school, although he was, and I, he says this, he was one of the oldest people there, and he went back there and he so he was doing the degree in circus arts and at the same time he was teaching people meditation in a one-on-one setting. When I met him, I'd been doing some freelance marketing for my friend who had a, a company in london and he said look i've met this buddhist monk he's been teaching me meditation that was the first thing that surprised me because i was like adam was like the last guy that i ever thought would do meditation it's kind of like quite a surprise to me so we went along and he said look i can't afford to pay you but how about we do a skill swap i'll come up with some a barter yeah situation. you know i'll teach you meditation you can come up with some ideas from my clinic and at that time i was suffering from really acute anxiety. Like I was I was really struggling. You were? Yeah, yeah, really struggling. I'd been in a career in advertising and... What were you advertising? <laughs> everything that you probably shouldn't advertise but mainly Axe deodorant.
0: So were you actually coming up with those ads? Like, well, all the, like the young
2: was, lads it was, spraying themselves with... It was... I can be... I'm, it's my fault that a lot of teenage boys smells smell like that. so terrible. So, <laughs> smell terrible. So that was... Like, I think this is karmic. This is definitely karmic payback. Yeah, so I was doing that and was living really you've lived in london it's a pretty hard lifestyle if you if you choose to go down that route and so i did, did you have like a jerry Maguire moment where you kind of like yeah it was more, less of a jerry Maguire moment more of a kind of i think i just it just didn't feel like the place that i i should be and i didn't know what i wanted to do and so i left i was actually studying to be a an acupuncturist at the time because i was getting acupuncture for my stress, stress. <laughs> and my acupuncturist said look have you ever thought about being an acupuncturist and I was like no he said I think you'd be really good like you should do it so I was, I was doing that course and then I was freelancing I kind of knew in my heart of hearts I never wanted to be a, an acupuncturist but I just knew I didn't want to do the the kind of lifestyle that I was kind of leading before and so then I met Andy and you know from that first day when he taught me meditation it was it sorry so, sorry so yeah. you met him as a let me try this meditation thing yeah I was kind of I was kind of intrigued about it but also kind of, I had no idea what it was, but I had all the previous kind of preconceptions, I suppose, that most people have about meditation. And I thought I was going to go meet a monk. And then he was just this normal guy. He had the bald head. But, and that was the thing that struck me the most, actually, was one, how easy it was to understand when he explained it. And also then when I looked at all of his clients, it was kind of everyone, but like that was the thing that was surprised me the most. It was absolutely everyone from all walks of life, all sexes, all ages, all races. And I asked him about that, and he was like, well, you know, if you've got a mind, you probably struggle with it from time to time. And that won the personal experience. And it like, it wasn't like everything, like my anxiety was fixed at all. It wasn't that. But I did think there's something in here that's really worth exploring, coupled with the fact that I was like, why don't more people know about this? Like that was the that's the thing and then you look at all the people that are doing it and you're like why aren't more people doing this and this was back in 2008 way before mindfulness was like a buzz thing and like it just you know it just wasn't it wasn't in that and we're in london the most cynical market in the world absolutely so, yeah. the most cynical yeah. Yeah.
0: yes <laughs> that's 2008 and then had you had an ambition to
2: start your own business my dad's had his own business since he was like 19 still got it still going what is it it's central heating company you know he says a glorified plumber (laughs) and my mum has got has had a dress shop ever since i've been five years old still got the dress shop, same dress shop like in a small in a small town So, are they subscribers they are subscribers but they haven't had to pay for it so that's (laughs) i don't i don't i haven't haven't charged my parents being brought up with two parents that have always worked for themselves i think i always had a sense that it was a possibility and that that was something that you should probably do it at some point. So I did always have that. And I'd always been trying to get ideas off the ground. None of them necessarily worked. So I'd always had that drive to want to do something. But when I met Andy, like the relationship was more of a, he started off as my meditation teacher, then he became my friend. And we didn't really decide to go into business together until like about eight months after meeting. So it was a very natural kind of organic process, which is why I think it kind of works so well. So you start start the company.
0: Yeah. And the idea is you create an app on like the most controlling
2: piece of technology (laughs) in our lives to help us unplug. Yeah. look. The thing was, we felt like, how do we improve the health and happiness of the world? And we thought, well, that was the goal. And the way that we thought we could do that is if we could reframe the way people think about their mental health and we felt like, how could we get people to reappraise the way they think of their health? And I think people only really think about their health in terms of physical activity and, and maybe nutrition now I think that's starting to come in but mental health I would say is the last one and actually I think our thought was unless you have a good healthy mind like how are you going to make great healthy choices about whatever you're going to do in life and so we felt like that was the place to start and the first idea that I came up there was like oh, look it's a shame that you're in this room on your own like you're great teacher like we should put this on an app and he didn't feel that it would work on an app because traditionally it'd always been taught from teacher to student in a kind of oral. It's lineage. quite an intimate setting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and so he wanted to kind of go to the live events space because that felt more comfortable. I think. Look, hindsight is no sight, but those events they were amazing because we got like two to four hundred people every month in a room, and we got to speak to them. We got to how do you get people to come to them? We got a big top page spread in the times the title of it was The Expert's Expert and it was Britain's Top Meditation Guru. And we hadn't even launched or anything. And it was just about Andy and his practice and like what we were trying to do, like just a bit of a, a setup. And from that, we just got approached by all of these publishers. So in the end, we ended up doing a deal with Hodder and Staunton for a three book deal before we'd even done our first event. That piece of press got the book deal and then... That led to more press and more stories. And then we got some press around the events. And then from that, we got some really interesting people to kind of come to those those events from all walks of life. We built a proper community in, in London, like, pretty early. The people that couldn't come to the events were saying, like, how can we get, how can we get access to this content? And they were, like, emailing from Sweden, Australia. They were emailing from all over the world. And we said, oh, maybe there's, you know, there's something in this. And so we started selling some bits of content online and then that kind of eventually kind of led to the app and the subscription but the the app and the subscription really was the last roll of the dice like cuz the business was business was really bad and we What do you mean it was well, bad? Well, sounds like it was really good. Well, it, yeah, it sounds like events are really hard to, to make money from when you're mm. doing them every month and we were ended up giving away a lot of tickets free and to, to get people in and it just it was a difficult it was really difficult to sell tickets every single month and the, the event format that worked the best actually was it started off as like an eight hour event and then it went down to six hours then four hours and then we got, start off as an eight hour yeah, event all day eight hour event that's yeah. just with andy on dedication. stage dedication just andy on stage for eight hours it was amazing because we learned a hell of a lot from what people like what they responded responding to the language that he used what the time it was just It was the whole research for the product. Like, without that, the product wouldn't have been what it was when we did. Right. It was effectively
0: like a series of focus groups before you launched your app. Yeah.
2: Up until that point, we just kind of had money from friends and family. like, And we bunched together a, a pool of cash. And the subscription product that we launched in January 2012, that was the first version of the app we built for about 50,000 bucks. That was like... 50K for the first app. Yeah, for the first app. All the animations, like we got... Andy and I pulled in every single favor that we ever, ever had to get that thing out. It really started to take off. And then Andy and I had always felt that... So that was in January 2012. So March 2013, we moved here. And it was just... You're looking very tan. You've lived... (laughs) I just walked in. I
0: walked over here in the sun. Yeah, yeah,
2: You get it. You've lived in London. Yes, I have. So you understand. And I think I'd been in London for 14 years, and he'd spent a lot of time in London. And we always felt that we wanted to live in California, like on a very personal level. We also felt that this idea would be... It would get a lot of traction here. And You're
0: we, a home of this. Is California the capital of crunchiness and
2: crunchiness and granola. Yeah, yeah it is. Lots of Birkenstocks. Yeah, and, and we there's a lot of that. And we felt that there was an interesting thing because we've always tried to distance ourselves from that that kind of space. But the reason that we didn't go to San Francisco because everyone was like, "Why well, don't you go know, to San Francisco? That's where everything's happening." For us, LA, and this was back in 2013, but we could start to see it happening, which is this really interesting convergence of media creative talent tech there's fashion there's food there's it's really diverse i think there's a, a really interesting kind of cultural moment happening in la and we felt that san francisco as great as it is it felt a bit too kind of tech focused For what it does we were it does feel do.
0: like there's a change here yeah.
2: having grown up in california it just there is
0: seems to be i mean it's but you have snap not yeah. too far from here and you bring something different
2: to the table with the entertainment angle and i think so I also think, you know, we're a content company at our core and creativity is like a really important part of what we do. So if, especially for a company like ours, I think this is, this is even more important to be in a place like I
0: heard this. a podcast recently with James Corden where he was talking about how everybody's like, oh, LA sucks, it's terrible. But he said, but if you're into content, there's no better place to be. I don't know, I just think there's really
2: interesting stuff happening here at the moment.
0: And you have some celebrity endorsers, right? Or people who have kind of yeah given you a like, look did lebron james shout you out and there's a lot i there? mean there's
2: there's been lo- the great thing what's is we-
0: like what's the best one you've got have you got any yeah. personal
2: messages from like somebody really cool you like wow that's well one of the big ones was Emma watson when she tweeted that that actually had a huge did that it? had yeah because we you were much spike yeah we were much smaller then and so that was that what was, was that? A few, that was maybe three or four years ago and, and that, had you raised money at that point no i don't think we had because we didn't raise money until September 2015. So did you send her 2015. a thank you night? As a yeah, thank you we, note we, did, we did. You did? We, we sent, well, we tried to tweet her back. She never tweeted us back, but <laughs> we, um, we said thank you. And then you raised the first round of money? Yeah, in September 2015 with churning. That took you from whatever, 10, 10 people? Or it what? took us. We were, about, we were about 18 people at that point, 20 people at that point, yeah. And now? We're about 160.
1: When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
0: Can you talk about that, the growth? Because yeah. you've also had to just kind of let some people go. Yeah. And that sounded like it was quite traumatic. Yeah, it was. It was really difficult, that. Were you prepared
2: for, to go from eighteen to twenty to one hundred and seventy something? I think it's really hard. I've never really i spoken to lots of people about it. I'm not. I've never met anyone that's kind of got it exactly right. When you're growing that quickly, it is just stuff does break. I just think it, it it does. I think it was difficult to kind of just keep pace with how quickly the product and the space was growing and what we needed. You know, if I look back on hindsight, I think the big mistake was really focusing heavily on kind of brand marketing too early like if i look back what on does it, that mean so i think we we made the decision to test out some tv advertising some outdoor advertising and to like try and build the brand that way like more from the traditional background that like also like what yeah. yeah quite old school go actually. back into your axe body exactly like it's going and i think that was probably down to some Old kind of learned behavior that I, that I'd had, you know. If I look back on it, we'd kind of built a bit of an internal agency here. I think that was a bad call, and because so it didn't was, work. Yeah, I just I'm not sure that our brand in the space that it's in necessarily needs big brand advertising. Do you just raise this
0: money? I think it was a few weeks ago, to mm. thirty six thirty seven yeah. million. It's a lot of money. Yeah. What do you tell? The hard nosed investors who are like, Yeah, this is a wellness app. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's and what is the what is the kind of the plan for global domination or what what do you tell yeah. people like that and how do you get them to buy in? Because it seems yeah. like it's a quite a squishy
2: concept. If you look at our mission of how do we improve the health and happiness of the world, the way that we think about it is okay, how do you create the most comprehensive guide to health and happiness from when you're born to when you die and everything in between? So how can we create That's quite ambitious. Yeah, like how can you create content experiences that can help you no matter what stage of life that you're at whether you're a kid. How old
0: how old is your youngest? For, for About program? 3
2: or 4. 3 with or our, 4. Yeah, with our with our kids content. So we've got parents that use our kids content with, you know, Which use. is what is that? So we've got Short, is shorter-based. Like put your blocks down. Put your crayons yeah. down. <laughs> Be mindful. Yeah. Be mindful. Exactly. Stop <laughs> drawing. We've got like focus, calm, wake up, a sleep, exercise, and they're different time lengths based on the age group. You know, we know that that's a a massive driver for for people. Really? Yeah, it's a it's a really popular thing because I think look if you've because it's not that kids are going onto the app store and downloading Headspace and using the kids content, obviously. Yeah. It's coming from the parents, and if you think if you're a parent and you're you've had a good experience of meditation, you're going to want to try and teach your your kids that. People that are open to meditation in the US alone, it's well over 150 million people. Who's if they're surveyed, say, yeah, I'd try that. Yeah, people are becoming more and more open to it. I think we're just at this stage of how do we educate people that they can. Why do you think that is? Is because these. Little phones, the little screens that we have that are, make us
0: distracted and stressed yeah. out. I mean, I was just yeah, before I came over here. I was on the computer. I was on my phone. I was on social media. I was. How did you, that feel? It was super relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, but that's the point, right? Yeah. Is that I mean, and I have well, a I have an eight month old. Speaking of your yeah, the three, he's already obsessed with the phone
2: because he sees, Cause he, sees wee, he sees you you guys using it. As we look here now at your phone on that table, it's, it's just an object on the table. Like It's actually not hard. It's our relationship to it that causes us the harm. And I just think that we're right at the start of working out how we can use these devices in like a healthy way. And our hope is that by teaching people some of these techniques that you become more aware. So that so many people are like on their laptop, on their phone, trying to speak to someone, eating their lunch, and not realizing that they're doing all those things together if you meditate and you become a bit more aware, maybe you've got more chance of actually noticing the craziness of that situation to maybe stop and just do one thing at a time. That's where people are. They're on their mobile devices. Like you can't, it's pointless trying to build something over here. Like I'd much rather if we could come up with an experience that, that wasn't in a way, but I think meeting people where they are is really important. I would hope that all the kind of young generation of, creators and entrepreneurs are thinking about okay how can we use this and how can we come up with things that are actually genuinely going to help people and i do think that we will the pendulum is like right at the start of it i just don't think it's kind of swung far enough for us to start using it in a smart way yet but i do think people are starting to understand that their relationship to their devices is is unhealthy and looking for ways in which they can kind of create a bit more well like it's distance. central right it's the kind
0: of the thing that tethers us yeah. kind of Takes your attention, no matter where you are. It's like the classic. Oh, I'm out at Yosemite. Yeah. <laughs> Let me, oh God, look at that on Facebook. Yeah. God, they look like they're having fun. <laughs> More you know? fun than me. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. You guys obviously aren't the only ones who have no latched onto
2: this. That's right. So in 2008, you yeah, were it. Right. That is it. And now, how many? I think of, there's over like I think I'm right in saying there's over like 3000 like meditation and relaxation apps 3000 in, in the app store if you look globally there's over 3000 is that worrying or is that well I think thing that worries me the most about it actually is I wonder about the quality of the teaching and how good the content is that's the thing that kind of you know I wouldn't personally trust my mental health to someone unless I knew that they were kind of an expert. I do worry about how much of the content out there is actually... Well, that leads to a question. So how much kind of... I
0: don't know know if science is the right word. Science is is in what you guys do. Because if you think about it, like I had yesterday morning, I had my little session. Yeah. And it was just Andy speaking for four minutes. Yeah. And I just kind of zoned out and felt
2: very relaxed. But it doesn't feel kind of hard sciency that's right well i think it depends how you how you use it i think if you're only using it for kind of like four minutes and i think it's useful if you were using it for four minutes ten times a day i think that's really valuable i think obviously building up to some of the longer time lengths i think that is that's a really useful kind of advanced practice as well so we have a chief science officer here so dr megan jones bell And we have about four full-time scientists internally that are working on... What kind of science? Yeah, so working on clinical trials around... You guys are running clinical trials? Yeah. Look, our thing on this is we know the authenticity of the teachings of where these have come from. We can trace them back like 3,000 years from all of Andy's teachers. So we feel really good about the authenticity. And we're trying to layer over that added piece of science. And we've been at this for on the science side for over five years we're doing internal studies working out you know from our customers and dose responses like how how many minutes works dose yeah right. like your yeah dose is is it, your dose it, of is it two minutes is it three minutes it's like, like we're, we're starting to look at that stuff as well as clinical trials against sleep and anxiety depression and trying to prove out if our content in other words, actually like the, ver- the verticals yeah so to speak exactly
0: I know you don't talk about subscriber numbers, but mm. just this idea that it, how prevalent is it that this is kind of like the New Year's gym membership? <laughs> yeah. Like you, you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to get in shape, yeah. I'm going to go on
2: the elliptical, and after yeah. five minutes you're like, whew, you all right, I'm done. Yeah. Well, the good thing about this is you don't have to go to a gym, you don't have to put any gym clothes on. You can do it anywhere, and you can do it from two minutes up to an hour. So I think it gives people a lot more flexibility to to do it. If you've ever done any physical exercise, you go to the gym for, you know, once a week, it feels nice, but you're never going to see any results. And I think it's exactly the same with meditation. Like We're genuinely trying to, like, help people build a habit, a healthy habit, so they can do it on a regular basis so that they see the results. The more you do it and the more you get used to that feeling and knowing how your body feels when it feels healthy, you just do it then. It doesn't become a a thing on the side to do. It just becomes part of your life. And I think it's the same with a meditation practice. It's like, how do you get people to understand one their motivation for why they're doing it that's really important and into that moment of like when they finish the meditation understanding like how they feel like what what was that moment and if you can kind of create that that kind of loop and someone can understand why they're doing it and then the benefits of it then i think the habit can can start to form for people right what's
0: the the ultimate goal is it to become the kind of the Google of mindfulness.
2: <laughs> Google of, well, no, I like for me, like I often people say like, what is the, I don't think that there is a brand necessarily that I would, I would kind of liken it to. I would just come back to that mission of Martha Stewart living. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not that. <laughs> definitely not that. Danny. No, the, um, I think that idea of like, how do we improve the health and happiness of the world and that comprehensive guide that for me would feel like we'd done a really awesome job. What was your worst day of work? Doing the layoffs by a country mile—that was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I think. How many people was it? It's about thirteen people. Yeah. And that was because it just was the wrong decision, or. or yeah, I think it was. It was. It was. A, like, I genuinely think it was a strategic, like misstep. Like it was yeah. definitely like not the right call. It's hard because it's people and it's their lives, and you know you feel very responsible for those things. So That yeah. was
0: tough. Having started this business and now you're kind of all over the world, and what was it along this journey that maybe you didn't think you would have to know starting
2: a business? <laughs> How long have you got? Um, <laughs> I think the hardest thing, the hardest thing is the people stuff. I just think that is... What well, do you mean the people stuff? Well, just finding the right people, <laughs> retaining the right people, motivating them in the right way. The complexity of lots of different personalities and lots of different backgrounds and different cultures and bringing that together trying to build a really you know a functioning organization that's moving really really quickly that's i think is like the ongoing the ongoing yeah that never stops and that is really the thing i think about the most it's like how are we finding the best people how are we retaining the best people and then how we kinda of motivate all the people that are here to, to do the best work of their lives. You know, that's that's a really that's a hard thing to get right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Are you guys profitable?
2: Or- yeah, we're pretty we're pretty, You are we're pretty we're pretty close to that, yeah. So you are pretty close. Well, you could you could take that either <laughs> way. But yeah, no, we're it's a that's the thing, I think, you know, when you your question earlier about the investors, like it is a real this is a real business with real revenues and I think that's the thing that's kind of exciting because you have this huge social mission and then this really exciting kind of commercial opportunity and i think they're both in service of each other you know and is the plan of ultimately to go public become a public company you know we just haven't talked about that in a huge amount of detail i think the the main thing is how do we build the best possible product against that mission that we talked about earlier that's just all we're laser laser yeah. focused on and then when we do that i think those options whatever they may be further down the line will become apparent and clear and that decision can be made but there's no there's no plans of yet to do that you know when you started out i
0: imagine i'm guessing people looked at you a bit funny when you said yeah i'm gonna start a meditation company That's,
2: that would be fair and this is my business partner, the <laughs> expert monk. yeah that would be fair to say that people used to back away from me at parties yeah, yeah. and now well, they still back away. No, I think um <laughs> that's because you're not wearing X body spray. That's exactly. <laughs> no, I think definitely. I've definitely seen a shift in the way that people have reacted to meditation over over time. Like at first people genuinely used to physically kind of back away. And Andy and I would just really try and position. They would you, actually physically yeah, back away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember like I remember going to a dinner with some of my dad's friends and a couple of them like got up from the table and kind of went to the other end of the table to go and like kind of speak to some other people they just it was i think i'd gone in that that position where i'd had a really good job then i told them i was an acupuncturist then i told them i was starting a meditation company with a, with a guy for who's training to be in that's a exactly right i think everyone thought i'd gone mad so I, i've seen i've had that reaction all the way through to people just being quite excited about what it can do and i think as as people understood the the kind of benefits of meditation, whether that's through science or whether it's people telling their personal stories. But it hasn't reached the kind of mass population yet. Is there still niche? I don't think it's niche, but I don't think it's mass just yet. You know, mental health is, you know, from a... The mental health costs are going to exceed, I think by 2020 they're going to exceed diabetes, respiratory illness and cancer combined. That's what mental health they think is going to cost. You know, we do get some, give some here. So, for every subscription that gets bought, we give away one for free. So, we're working with Oxfam, Médecins Sans Frontières, uh, a bunch of schools, the whole of the Newark School District. So, we're trying to work out ways that we can give it away to the people that can't afford it. Working with prisons, so that's one bit on our side. But I do think that the healthcare system—you know—we're doing a lot of studies with the NHS in in London. You are, yeah. And we've been doing pilots with nurses in certain districts. And, 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 so, I, and what compa- are the, so what are the studies trying to ascertain, yeah. for
0: example, with the NHS?
2: Like, so like compassion fatigue. So doctors and nurses that are working really, really hard. There's this idea of like burnout where they're giving so much to the patients. They kind of burn out because they're always kind of giving, giving, giving. So how can right. you kind of help to maintain... You know, and if you've spent any time in the National Health Service, which you probably have. have. Yeah, yeah. we had our kid there. Yeah. So, you know, like it's an amazing service for so many things, but so many of those people people have worked really, really hard. So it's like, how can you help the doctors? How can you help the nurses? Does it help with their stress? We're looking at chronic pain in patients as well. I think there's so much in the healthcare system and it's like really early days. We're pretty passionate about that space. You have partnerships, like corporate partnerships. We've got corporate, we work with a lot of companies. We work with like LinkedIn and Google and a bunch of different folks. But we also do some brand partnership work. So we've just done a big partnership with Nike. What is that partnership? So it's with their Nike training. Meditate, just do it? Yeah. (laughs) Just meditate? Just meditate. No, it's with their Nike training club. So that idea of mental fitness being as important, you know, your your mind-body link. And so content within their kind of product, um, and looking at events and a bunch of different stuff with those guys.
0: Google and LinkedIn, what are you doing with them? Just offering it as, offering
2: a, as a subscription to their, right. to their employees, yeah. Endorsed by them. Too. Exactly, right. yeah. And then we've got, we're about eight different airlines at the moment, where we've got- United heads- definitely needs it. Yeah, United, United, <laughs> United could do with it, that will be fair. But yeah, we're on Delta and Virgin Atlantic, JetBlue, a bunch of different- Oh, well, in
0: their kind of yeah, entertainment system. in their entertainment system. And so five years from now, you think it will be commonplace for people to have
2: their little, their digital helper. I think so. Mental health helper. I think so. I think that idea of like a personal trainer for your mind in your pocket, I think that is that is something that people will, will definitely have.
0: That's all the time we have. I'd like to thank Rich for sitting down with me today. I'm... Now, off to hit the streets of Los Angeles once again. This time I will be doing it with my phone in my pocket. Looking up. You should try too. That is, of course, if you feel the need to rate the podcast and give us a review. In that case, you know, feel free. Multitask. I'm sure Rich would understand. I know I would. Anyhow, that is all we time we have for this week. Do stop in the Apple Podcasts, give us a rating, and talk to you next week.